0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the College Parent Podcast. My name is Cody Klein. And my name is Keaton Smith, and we want to thank you for joining us today. On today's episode, we'll be interviewing a whole host of people and discussing some advice for parents about what they should never do while supporting their college student. Let's go ahead and dive in. We would like to welcome David Sneed to the podcast today. Uh, David is the Director for Growth and Purpose for Students here at Belmont University, also known as GPS. David, thanks so much for coming today. So, thanks a lot, guys. Can you tell us what you think parents should never do as the parent of a college student? What parents should never do? That's an interesting way of, of starting this conversation because um, you know, we always want to, and we have all these lists of things that you should do. So let's just think of it from the opposite. But uh, And a little bit of that we'll talk about, but also just the, the concept of what you should never do. As not only a professional of student life for 30 some years, As a parent of two college students, one Belmont graduate who graduated a few years ago and one student who is currently in Belmont, let me sort of think about it from both perspectives and and talk about it from both perspectives. Part of it is parenting philosophy, so you will have to do your own parenting philosophy. But from my perspective and my wife, we talk about this quite often, that we think that part of our responsibility is to help our, our children become um, adults who are able you know, to function and move forward without us. And so we really, I think that you know, that's going to be the crux of what a parent should not do is do not do for them. It's, it's one of those things to, you know, to help them become more of a, an, an entry to these adult relationships, whether it's with you as a parent or whether it's with the professionals that they'll be on campus with. We need to have that nice balance of responding and respectfully working with people, but at the same time, we want them to do that in an adult manner, to question, ask questions, it's fine, and things like that. So I think the thing about what not to do is to do for them, to be the person who is engaging in all of the interactions with the, with the university. The legal and primary action with the university is with the students. Now, we know that the majority of our students are still, most of them are of majority age, so they're 18 or older, but they're still under their parents' auspices as far as necessities of food and money and all those kinds of things. And and money is where it comes to that relationship with the university, tuition dollars and room and board and things like that. So we know that you have have skin in the game here. We're not saying that we do not want to have relationships with parents. We do want you to have a relationship with the university. But we want you to not take over that relationship between the university and your family. We want that to be a primary relationship for the student to have and to build. We want you to know all the resources that the university has so that you can talk to them about that, so that you're knowledgeable about that. But I I think when I come down to it, the one thing that you should never do is engage yourself as the primary relationship between the university and and the, uh, the family. And so anything that you can do to, to help them understand the process of college, if you have the opportunity to, to attend college yourself, for me, even as a higher education professional, I know that my college experience was different than it is for my students. What the professionals on our campus do and what the professionals on any campus do is significantly different than what was done to us and for us back in, in the 1980s. So I think that there's a a lot different. So understand that your experience is important and and knowledgeable, but it is not your experience relived. With the exception of always inform them. If you thought that you wish you would have studied abroad, talk to them about that. Don't force them to do it, but talk to them about that as a possibility. Have them look into what Belmont offers in that area. How to go about... Um, getting information about things. You can certainly encourage them, instruct them, inform them, but let them do the legwork. Let them start becoming the owner of the information. And then you can process that with them in conversation. So it really is about you having a relationship with the university so that you have knowledge of what's going on, but your your relationship is informing you so that you can then inform the conversation, the adult conversation between you and your college student. And so I think that's really a, a large part of it. Now, the reality is they are our children still. And so there are going to be times when if they feel uncomfortable, got to, you're got you the best person to know when to draw those lines. There are some difficult times. There are some difficult situations that arise during the, these, these years and the college years and you should always feel comfortable to do that. But I want you to be intentional about when you engage with the university. Be intentional about whether it's for you, be intentional whether it's for them. And so I think that's um, a a lot of where I would go with all of this. I think that anything that you can do to prepare them to think on their own, to explore on their own, to seek resources on their own, but always have a relationship with the people in their lives that are important that might see it from a different perspective. So whether that's you as a parent, whether that's their, their partner in life as they move forward, uh, the significant people in their lives, whether that's a a pastor or a counselor of some sort, if they own the information and then share it and they're thinking about it with, with those important people in their lives, I think that's key. So So be aware and be intentional about the way that you enter into the relationship with the university and let that relationship be focused on your your students.
1: Our next guest is Debbie Sprang. She is the Senior Director of Development and Alumni Relations at Belmont University. Welcome, Debbie.
2: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. In addition to my my role, I'm also the parent of three college graduates, and so have lots of personal experience helping um, my own kids go off to college. And my husband and I did some things right, and we did some things that we would do differently this time around. But here's some things that we learned. Never micromanage your students' experience. And here's what I mean by that. If they can make phone calls or reach out to the resource persons at their university to help them uh, address their problems or meet their goals, encourage them to do that. Don't make the phone calls for them. Also, avoid writing their four-year academic plan and presenting it to their academic advisor. This is a really important learning opportunity for them to make decisions about their major, about the courses that they want to take, and how they're going to create a plan that works for them. Never contact a student's professor to advocate for a grade change. We may be inclined to want to help our kids with this, but that is is out of the realm of how we can best parent our students. And then never accompany them or attend a job interview or grad school interview with them. They need to uh, enter into that experience on their own. Number two, never give your college student an ultimatum. Um, during the formative years of, of young adulthood, they really do need to develop a sense of autonomy, and they're going to be working toward a stage called interdependence. And they can only get there if they have had an opportunity to to be independent, to make some mistakes along the way, and to understand what it means to rely on people who have more life experience and maybe specific experience to help them get their needs and their goals met. And so this interdependence is really important. When we present ultimatums, we're retaining the authority figure in their lives, and that's not helpful for them. And so here's what I mean by that. Here's an example. I have heard parents tell their students, if you do not major in accounting or engineering or pre-med, I'm not paying for college. That's not a good example. Um, our daughter, our oldest daughter, Katie, when she went off to college, she she went in undecided, wasn't sure what she wanted to major in. And so we encouraged her to take her her gen eds and then some other courses that seemed interesting to her. So after her first semester, she came home for break and said, I'm going to major in art. I took a studio art class in drawing, and I'm going to be an artist. And so my husband and I said, great, along with the art, We want you to double major in something that will also broaden your skills, maybe something related to business. Next semester, she took more gen eds, an art class, and a theater class. And she came home and said, I'm going to double major in art and theater. And we said, that's great. You're very passionate about the creative arts. Um, We also want to encourage you to add a minor or an emphasis, perhaps in arts management. And that's indeed what she did. And it worked out really well for her. But we... We worked really hard at holding back on telling her what to do, and uh, instead we encouraged her. We also encouraged her to do some research, to talk to people in a variety of fields related to theater, art, and arts management, and understand what kind of academic preparation might be best for her. And so that worked out pretty well for Katie. Accountability measures are good. So I'm not saying that parents should not um, work with their college students to, to talk about what, um, you know, what will be helpful for students to consider as they're pursuing majors or putting their future together. Um, but again, the ultimatum is, is not a helpful way to approach a relationship that that you want to continue to develop in a really positive way. And then the third area that I would recommend is, or that, that we've tried to, to use at home, but also with students here on campus is never stop loving your emerging adult. Love looks different as, as children grow. So the love that we, we use with our, with our young people, with our toddlers and our elementary school kids might look and feel a little bit different from the way that we show love with our young adults. Sometimes love means letting go a little bit or a lot. Um, It's our job as parents to give them space to grow and to learn and to make mistakes and to thrive. Here's some examples. When, When your student goes off to college, it's very typical within four to six weeks of a freshman's experience that they'll feel a pretty significant sense of homesickness. Rather than rushing in to fix the problem and sending them a plane ticket or driving to campus, perhaps send a care package or... Offer to listen to what's going well and where they're struggling. When they're hurting from a broken relationship, be available on phone or Zoom, but don't try to take take that emotional experience away from them. Support them. Encourage them. Get to know their friends. Don't meddle in their relationships, but be aware of who they're spending time with. When you come to campus to visit, maybe take, take your student and their friends out to dinner or for ice cream to get to know them that's a great way of letting them know that you're on their side and interested in kind of the ins and outs of their lives. Um, When they're struggling with a class, maybe that's required for the profession that they're hoping to pursue, encourage them and help them find resources that they can seek out. Maybe talking with the learning center and getting a tutor or with their professor for some additional assistance. If If you're not certain about their career choice, educate yourself about what the field of audio engineering is all about or public health is all about, whatever your student is interested in. Learning about their interests and their career pursuits is a wonderful way to demonstrate your love for them as they grow to become independent adults.
1: our next guest is Dr. West. She is the Vice President and Chief of Staff here at Belmont. Let's hear what she has to say.
3: Thank you, Cody, and I appreciate the opportunity uh, to share with parents. kind of wanted to go through a litany of questions that may be helpful as we talk about what parents should not do uh, and maybe perhaps what they should do at the very beginning of their student's college career. So we're going to start off with prepping for college. I think it's important for parents to Uh, Remember that prepping for college does not start when a student gets to campus, that prepping for college really to be very helpful. What I found with my children was to begin about sophomore, junior year to get them to be independent, allowing them to be responsible for their wake up time, allowing them to get ready on their own for uh, classes, allowing them to launder their own clothes, to iron their own clothes allowing them to plan their days as it pertained to extracurricular activities, what they had to do that evening once they got home, as it prepared, pertained to studying for exams and things of that nature, how much time they would need over the course of, say, a week if the exam was the following week uh, for doing that and then making decisions as to whether they should actually have as much social time one week uh, as they would in the next week. So therefore, kind of balancing and scheduling their time so that they were successful. I think the best thing that I did when my children were in school as it pertains to, to supporting them was not telling them what to think, but teaching them how to think. So basically, you know, a lot of deductive reasoning and you know, ask being more inquisitive about getting them to come up with the solution and getting them to make a decision without mine or my husband's influence there. That was a huge uh, step for me as a mother to be able to do that and to begin to look at my son or daughter as budding adults, if you will. So um, that worked well uh, for us. I was able to see that once they got to college and once they got experience in their college careers. Where I did not intervene, sometimes I wanted to intervene, but I didn't because I knew it wouldn't be good for my children was contacting their professors. If they were ill, if they were having an academic struggle, uh, if they were having an issue with not understanding and interpreting the material. That was their responsibility. And I let them know, you know, that it was their responsibility and they needed to handle that. Via, I would work with them through, you know, questioning, uh, uh, asking, you know, what was actually transpiring with that particular course? uh, What did they believe the best course of action would be and how would they go about making sure that they take that course of action? Also, with any roommate issues or housing issues, I would never get involved in that because, again, that is teaching uh, that was teaching my children basically how to handle conflict and resolution. Because when they get on jobs, obviously they're going to have to resolve some issues with folks that they work with sometimes. So, and I'm not going to be the person there and and neither was my husband. So I got them in the habit of if they were having issues with roommates, sit down, talk it, talk it out, reason it uh, out. I'm not going to get involved with that. And then of course, again, relationship issues, you know, uh, my son, you know, girl issues, my daughter, male issues work those out yourself. Just uh, basically take what you've been taught and what you've been able to experience over the course of your life of living you know at home basically the things you've heard what we've taught you and begin to you know look at that. what does God say about this particular relationship? Does this align with what you know a godly woman or a godly man should look like? Uh, So just actually helping them again to think through and to work through those situations and also encouraging them to ask others the questions that they would ask me uh, that, you know, that I would answer for them. I can't answer the question because I'm not that female for my son. I couldn't answer the question because I'm not that male uh, for my daughter. So having them to make sure that they ask the questions that they needed and then always finances for sure you know we would give uh, my son and my daughter x amount of dollars and once we gave them that for that month that was it from us so uh, I'm not telling them you know we didn't tell them how to spend it but we told them that this was the allowance for the month and they could blow it all in one night or they could sit down and make a budget And uh, determine, you know, pick and choose what things they were going to do that cost money, because obviously, you know, there are some things that don't cost money. So not bailing them out when they really needed to. Let's say, for instance, I remember one time my son wanted to go to a concert, but he had spent everything that he had before it was time for the concert. So he asked me if he could get a loan. And I said, no, because you wouldn't be able to handle the interest that I'm going to charge you on that loan. So uh, he didn't get to go to the concert. I don't think he asked my husband. I think he just asked me. We talk we look at, you know, specific stories. I've been in higher education for a long time. So I've got a little bit of a perspective. Uh, I, I maybe just a little edge up because I've had the opportunity to work with students and to work with parents and to make the environments uh, conducive for our students. But one thing is that it is difficult to let go. I will say that you know both of my children are grown now, so it's it's very different for me. But the first child to go away, I would say don't put a guilt trip on them because they're leaving home. They're already feeling some anxiety. They're already feeling some separation from the things that are familiar for them. They're going into an unfamiliar environment. So uh, let's don't talk about, I mean, obviously let them know that you're going to miss them, but every single day don't say I'm going to miss you. I don't know what I'm going to do without you. What I learned to say is I can't wait to see uh, the individual that you're going to be after your first semester and then after your freshman year. And then when they got, as freshmen, you made it through freshman year. I can't wait to see the type of individual that you're going to be there. So it's the letting go. I I think that's the most important. So don't hold on. Let go. There is life after your children leave and go to college. And uh, you may not feel like it um, at first, but certainly I assure you that you will get accustomed. I, I, I basically told them that the reason that they make erasers on pencils is because they know they know that individuals are not infallible and that they are going to make mistakes consequence consequently in their life they're supposed to make mistakes don't make a habit of them but mistakes yield growth uh if there's no pain you know you hear no pain no gain when one is exercising but no mistakes no growth because life obviously is a classroom and one thing life actually deals us and, and I would tell them this all the time is you learn the actual you take the test before you actually learn the lesson so the test comes first and then you learn the lesson afterwards and you know that's reverse of what we do obviously in college but it, I just let them know that it, it yields growth and that their mistakes did not define them
1: Our next guest on the podcast is Jason Rogers. He is the Vice President for Administration and University Council here at Belmont University. Let's hear what he has to say. Uh, hello, everybody. So, just a couple of words about my experience parenting college students. I have I have four kids, three of whom uh, have completed college or are about to complete college, and have a little bit of insight based on those experiences, but also uh, insight based on my experience. Serving uh, at Belmont University in my current capacity for uh, going on 23 years. Generally, what I would say is that the most common mistake that we can make as parents when it comes to parenting our college age students uh, is the temptation that even the most emotionally mature of us are tempted to engage in, and that is to do for our students what they should do for themselves. So when it comes to preparing for college. Uh, there are a lot of examples I could give, but if you wanted to if I wanted to focus specifically on college-related preparation mistakes that we that we as parents are tempted to make, that is that after we do our normal parental responsibility of you know establishing the parameters for any financial commitment we're willing to make to help our students get to college and any other considerations that relate to family priorities, whether it be geographic considerations, whether or not our students are going to be able to live on campus or be commuter students, and those sorts of things. Uh, When it comes down to filling out college applications, writing essays, requesting letters of recommendation from people who've known them in high school, and those sorts of things, those are things that we really should leave to our students to complete and not at all attempt to do those ourselves. First of all, I think it's pretty apparent to college admissions officers uh, when parents are inserting themselves in situations and it can hurt your students' chances of gaining admission to a college if they see that somebody's writing this for them. And so there's an obvious pragmatic reason not to pursue those kinds of uh, of things. But also it's, it's good for our students to go through the process of getting themselves organized enough to complete all those tasks because that really is excellent preparation for the independence with which they're going to need to manage their work and their relationships once they're off to college. After our students are admitted to the school of their choice and they make a decision where they want to go and they actually support, uh, they actually begin their career as a college student, one of the other temptations that we should, as parents, avo- do everything we can avoid is um, becoming that that model of parenthood that we've often heard about of being a helicopter parent. Though I will say in my experience at, at Belmont, one of the metaphors that we have used that goes beyond the helicopter parent is what we call the snowplow or bulldozer parent. And this is obviously a parent who's engaged with their students at an even more unhealthy level, such that they're not just hovering over the student but they're attempting to go before them and clearing a path often in a you know in an inappropriate and, and not constructive uh, manner, that's all about really empowering our students to navigate their way through institutions and relationships and not taking upon ourselves to become the advocate for our students in every situation. So some examples of some experiences that that I have observed uh, coming from other parents uh, has been parents who always feel the need to constantly be in contact with their students, professors, with administrators on campus, with residence life staff or others to complain or vent about their students experience often, at the hands of their students, friends, or acquaintances, that is a level of engagement that really students don't learn from, um, and uh, it's it's certainly a, a mistake that I think we should we should all avoid. We've seen some pretty extreme examples of parents seeking to get involved and even leveraging an offer of a donation to the university to have their student be favorably treated or more favorably treated when it comes to either disciplinary matters, academic matters, residence life matters. And those are certainly, certainly unhealthy, not to mention unethical uh, sorts of uh, measures to take to advocate for for our students. Um, So so some of the context in which issues have arisen in the past that uh, that we have seen also have included um, uh, parents who are from out of town actually You know, renting property in Nashville in order to be closer to their students so they can advocate for them. We've even had some situations in which students who are estranged from parents uh, have, have had to pursue orders of protection from the Metro Nashville Police Department because a parent is stalking them. So those are extreme, extreme examples um, that I know we all know are inappropriate, but uh, it happens. And they're just extreme expressions of some of the things that I was talking about earlier. So in my own personal experience, as I've had uh, three children go through college, two of whom have left the state and attended other institutions, one of whom has attended Belmont. Um, I've dealt with them and and, and helped them through, you know, a a series of crises that are large and small, whether it be, um, you know, conflict with professors who they perceive to have not been grading them fairly, or difficulties with roommates that are made more difficult by the influence of their roommates' parents on situations, concerns about academic progression and being able to fulfill, you know, academic requirements, had disagreements that, our our kids have had with, with off-campus landlords over rental property. And uh, those are all examples of interactions that, that my uh, adult children have had, my students have had, in which I've really tried to just equip them to deal with difficult situations, more acted as a coach or a consultant than as someone who gets involved and tries to solve problems for them. And I have seen in that experience that they have grown and matured as young adults in navigating those situations and hopefully preparing them for, you know, more challenging situations uh, as they've moved on through life and and some of them have gotten married and and had kids of their own. So uh, that's our end goal, right? Our end goal is to uh, parent uh, happy, well-adjusted, caring, ethical young people. And they really can't do that if we do everything for them. And so I would encourage you to keep that in mind as you're um, parenting your students.
0: As we conclude this episode, we'd like to thank David Sneed, Debbie Sprang, Susan West, and Jason Rogers for sharing their wonderful and hard-won wisdom that they've gained as the parents of college students. Keep an eye out for more episodes of the College Parent Podcast, and we'll see you next time.